And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and this time out, I am not joined by Scott. I am not joined by Bill. I am not joined by Dave. They were all far, far too busy to come. So. I reached out to my buddy Derek William Crabb and said, how busy are you? <laughs> and despite the fact that he's busy, he made time for me anyway. So welcome aboard, Derek. Hey, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. No, it's always good to have you. And, and we were just talking before we were recording and we were talking about how, uh, you know, the, when the episodes go up, I put it on Facebook and then uh, every once in a while we get one where, where we've just... I don't think it's that we've struck a nerve with you. I think it's just that we got you at the right time in the right place where you have the time and, yeah, you, and you have yeah. the access to whatever, whether it's your phone or your computer or whatever, to give me your, uh, give us your comments on, on your thoughts as, as you're listening. So it's kind of stream of consciousness. But, uh, what you know, that's one of the things, quite frankly, that I really enjoy about doing the show is that feedback. So... You know, keep that coming anytime you have those thoughts. And anybody else who's listening, you know, please, you know, it's it's right now. Most of our comments are either Derek or Kirk, uh, but you know, they're they're welcome from everybody. So you know, well, so, sometimes I get it too because like it, it's exactly what you're saying, like the confluence of events, right? Where where sometimes you're listening to something and and you do have that like you know yell at your zone of phone moment or you know whatever you know copyright michael bailey you know like whatever like where you're you're yelling at the the thing or you want to participate or whatever but sometimes like you know you're you know i'm, I'm in my car like i can't yeah. you know what i mean like I, I can't stop to like you know write up a dissertation or whatever but you know occasionally like you said it, it like i was on vacation when you were doing the year-end thing and everything and i was just like oh hey like i've i've read some of these or i've i've you know i i kind of you know see what you guys are some of the pains you guys are going through when you're like looking at the modern stuff and i was like yeah mike's doesn't really i mean it it updates but not i mean i, I think it's on like autopilot or something where it pulls whatever it pulls but you know if you're trying to look up like you know, IDW books like GI Joe, right? For, mm -hmm. for Dave, right? Like it's like, well, I I, I know that pain. I sort of don't read as much GI Joe, but I I read Transformers, and it's like the same thing. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna find that info on Mike's for like all that stuff. So it's like I I sort of you know I felt like oh I'm listening to it you know quote unquote in real time and was like oh yeah I can I can chime in on all this stuff and it you know for me it was fun it was something fun to do and 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 a way to engage right because because like you say we don't always have the opportunity to to shoot the breeze and 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 just talk and whatever you know that that kind of thing now the last time i had you on 
I don't think I was nearly as aware of how into buying original art you are. Unless that is something that really kind of developed with you since the last time we spoke. But I've Probably. seen a lot of the things that you posted and a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think I kind of uh, I kind of fixed the books for tonight too, so there'll be there'll be more on that later. But um, but uh, the yeah, I mean, I guess I, I'm trying to remember like the the time frame, but I mean, I was buying like sketches and things around you know I don't know 2018, 2019, and stuff like that. But I, I think during you know during the the heyday of uh, the pandemic, you know that that that's I I think that's when I was doing things like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to call it a bucket list, but it was like a, a sort of bucket list of like, what haven't I been ni- nice to myself with? Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like where I kind of went out of my way and, and went, oh, you know what I never got? I never got that like limited, you know, one of a hundred, you know, leather bound man without fear hardcovers because it was you know so expensive and i was just like you know what i'm you know i kind of went and tried to cross off most if not all of those things where i think i was like i i had this spinner rack in my room and and my goal was to buy all the comics that i bought as a kid you know that i sort of remembered from memory and then like I was doing that for fun at conventions, you know, like where, you know, prior to that, you know, you could go to a convention and just look around and find something. So I had amassed quite a bit of them that way. But then I think towards the tail end of it, it all became, you know, online stuff during 2020. And then during that, it was like, oh, I've never bought, you know, I I have a bunch of sketches and all this other stuff, but I never bought an actual page. And I was like, okay, I will buy an actual page of art. And then, it sort of just spiraled <laughs> horribly out of control. Not so, quite to uh, the David Bandel uh, level. No, 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 <laughs> not not at all. I can't I can't compete with that. Like, no, not at all. I don't I don't have the budget or the, uh, you know, the the wherewithal for for all that. But you know, I I, I try. You know, I I, I I do what I do. I've always wanted to get like just one page that I could frame, but my criteria for that page is probably too limited for the budget that I'm willing to put towards it because it would have to be an artist that I'm familiar with and that I'm a fan of. So we're talking about, you know, shrinking the, uh, the available stuff dramatically for that. Uh, you know, and we're talking, you know, more of the classic, you know, seventies, eighties or sixties artists. Uh, and it would have to be a page where there, where there are characters that are recognizable to me, not just, you know, secondary characters that you're not even going to be you know so something that if somebody who didn't collect comics came down and sort of framed on my wall they would actually recognize some of the characters right right you know uh so i think just that criteria alone prices me out of ever buying anything like that i i mean uh, all i'll say is never say never i i i think i think maybe you'd have a higher probability if you knocked one of those three things out, like, and, and, and from, from my perspective, I, I think you could probably get something where it might fit all the criteria, except maybe the recognizability part. It'd be, it'd have to be something that you love, but maybe, you know, it wouldn't be like somebody walks downstairs and goes, Oh yeah, some Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? But maybe, 
maybe, you know, you walk downstairs and, and, and you're just tickled because, you know, you've got, you know, uh, a werewolf by night page and you know, that's Jack Russell in panel five or whatever. I don't know. You know, like, like something like that. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, but, if you, if you, know. you see anything that you think, uh, no, no, no. that I, I was, go for, I was, but, was, but you're not going super, for it, forward it to I was, me. I was super thinking about that when, when, when you did the interview with Mandel, cause, cause you mentioned that. And I was like, I was like, because sometimes I look at that as like a challenge because we, we, we have this, um well, some some of my buddies, we have this secret Santa thing where we'll get together and they say, oh, you don't have to buy art, you know, like and, and people exchange other things for the secret Santa gifts. But sometimes, you know, we collect art. So sometimes we get each other art or whatever. And sometimes it's something just nice, like a commission or a sketch or something you think they'd like or whatever. But I think when. When I got the person I got, I knew they were buying a bunch of, of course, out of both of our ranges, like X-Men pages, you know, like like a burn mm. page, uh, this and that page, you know, like like these, you know, Werner Roth, like all, all this stuff. Right. And and I knew he was on that jag at the moment. And so and, and we had this joke where. You know, he he was kind of like, oh well, it's not a premium page unless Wolverine's like popping his claws, and and then in the back of my head, I kind of took that as like a challenge because I was like, I was like, because I think our budget was like under a hundred bucks for that Santa thing, and you know, if somebody's like trying to you know toot their own horn, it's like, oh, there's you're never gonna find any Wolverine for under a hundred bucks, you know, and so I mean. Admittedly, it was it was blue line inks, so that's that's probably a no no. But but I joked that I got him a premium blue line page because it did have Wolverine popping his claws, and it was part of like a digital first comic and everything that I thought was pretty good. That's still um, pretty cool. That's, that's so not, so not so bad. so like that 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 kind of thing. Like like in in that context, that would actually fit maybe like two of your three you know what i mean like like it's not it's it's a familiar character it's probably not a familiar artist to you do you know what i mean like mm. but but and and then it's also within the budget right like so it's like so sometimes you end up making concessions and then when you don't that's that's kind of when you go crazy well, when, when you, when like, you oh, don't make the concession is... and then you walk away and then like two weeks later you're like you know i should have made that concession <laughs> well yeah i mean i mean i I've, I've done that a number of times but most times Sometimes you you kind of I don't know you you have to let a lot of that shit go you know what I mean yeah. like like for me otherwise it drives you nuts right well that's like, that's I, the I, thing that we had that conversation when I spoke to David Mandel about sometimes you know when you think back to the things you could have bought when you were younger and whatever and you just got to move on and and you can't fixate on it because it'll it'll make you insane well and I I don't know for me sometimes I've actually how do I say this? I, I feel like sometimes I've benefited from hindsight where, you know, it's it's like that weird thing where you go through like a what if scenario in your head. And it's like, you know, would you if you could go back and buy whatever you wanted back when I don't know when the prices were supposed to be so great, like when when you could have gotten a page of great Marvel art for 20 bucks or something like that. But then in my mind, I'm like, well, what if that means that all the pages you own now, you could no longer own? And every time I think about that, I go, well, I wouldn't make that trade. I love the shit I bought now. Do you know mm. what I mean? Whether I paid too much for it or not, you know, so I, I, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know, me 
playing head games with myself or whatever. But <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, I, when I think of it that way, it, it just makes me happy with what, what I have. Cause I wouldn't, you know, I mean, I mean, some, and sometimes people do do that. They, they trade pieces and everything. I've only done that once, um, so far. Um, but you know, sometimes people do, you know, make exchanges, you know, like they trade, you know, and, and somebody wants something that you have and, and maybe they have something in, in their collection that you want. So, and, and maybe that's the only way to make certain things happen. But I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. I get exactly what you're saying. And, and there is some, you know, while, while you're always striving to, you know, as a collector, you're always striving to get more and to, you know, to improve or whatever there does have to be a point where you say, I'm happy with what I have. Otherwise, why are we doing it? <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're never going to be yeah. happy with what you have, then, then there's no point in it. I mean, from, from an art point of view, I would say my per personal prized possession is, well, there's one of two things just because of who he is. I have a, uh, just a little post, you know, like a little index card, uh, with a, a Spider-Man head sketch by John Romita senior, uh, so that, that's just cool. Cause it's John Romita senior. It's not, you know, anything all that elaborate. Uh, but then I, I had gotten a commission, uh, from Val Mayrick, which I've posted pictures of it on, on the Facebook page in the past, uh, of, uh, it's, it's the Frankenstein monster, which I, I kind of loved his version of the Frankenstein monster when he was, uh, you know, when Marvel was doing him, uh, and it's him and, and Howard the duck, uh, who Val Mayrick was the first artist to ever do yeah. Howard the duck. And, this, the scene he created, it's, it's, you know, it's inked. The scene he created is, in my mind, it's Howard the Duck is kind of the blind man that the monster comes uh, comes upon. Right, uh, right, right. Because he's sitting at a table and he's got a bottle on it and uh, and he's kind of waiting for the monster to get there. And the monster's lumbering over. So it, it, that's that's probably my favorite piece. And I, you know, I have it in a frame hanging up in my home office. And was you know, it's, it's was very that cool. something? Was that something you sort of specifically requested, or was it was it just kind of like, hey, can I get a picture of, of Howard and Frankenstein? Or? Yeah, well, it was. You know, we had had we had Val Merrick on the show, which was a, a pleasure to interview him. So I got to, you know communicate with him a little bit and talk to him about doing a commission and everything. Ultimately, I, I just said, you know, I'd like a, a, you know, a nice inked picture, uh, with the, the two characters on it. I, you know, I said the two characters, but I totally left it up to him as far as the composition goes. Cool. Cool. Like some, sometimes that can be really fun. Like I, I, I know sometimes it gets hairy with, you know, depending on who you're, commissioning or, or like you said, maybe a budgetary thing like, you know, you, you know, some sometimes I mean, and, and it's funny because I think that goalpost is constantly changing the longer you stay in that hobby, you know, whether it's what you described, you know, like you're like, oh, I, I saved up the money. I'm ready to do it now. And now it's three times as much or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Or just I mean, just speaking for myself, like there were things where I, you know, I kind of said to myself, oh, okay, this is my budget and it's crazy. Anybody else who pays higher than that. And then eventually like you see that special thing you want and you're like, well, you know, this is a special thing. And you make that exception and you keep doing that. And eventually your, your ceiling, or at least in my case, my ceiling has raised as much as 
the prices of art have just to keep up with it. So, and, but, and there um, comes a point yeah. where you gotta, you know, there's there's some points where you gotta say, hey, you know, this is this is crazy. I'm not spending this. And then there's other yeah, points yeah. where you gotta say, you know, this is what I work for. I work so that I can get enjoyment out of life, and I get enjoyment out of having this thing. So I'm willing to, you know, to to stretch that budget for it sometimes. And you know that holds true for you know artwork like we're talking about or even just you know the comics that we buy yeah yeah you know i i i've I've, in the past few years i've kind of made an art form of going and finding you know in the two dollar bins and the one dollar bins you know uh while professor allen would slap me for spending that much uh but you know i i i've since filled a lot of my want list i mean i still have a decent number of things on there but most most of the things that i can get for a dollar or two on my want list most of them i i've crossed off the list already so now i'm starting to expand a little bit more and saying well now i could spend a little bit more on some books and i'm still not spending crazy money on things but uh like this this weekend i i for the first time in a few years i actually went on to uh ebay and i was i started looking at you know some of the more you know not the really really pricey issues but things that are a little bit more on on you know on ebay and i'm waiting for three things that i actually did buy it now is on uh i did uh first issue issue special the first appearance ever of uh, warlord um mm-hmm. commandy number one and uh great book and uh what you call it creatures on the loose the first issue with the man wolf oh okay cool so you know like i said not things that are crazy you know i'm not spending hundreds of dollars on books but but i'm not spending one or two dollars on these books either because they are well and sometimes issues. I feel like sometimes I got in under the wire on certain things where like before they went to like, you know, crazy town, banana pants type money or what, you know, like, like it, and it's funny too, because I've been through that period where, you know, I sold off a bunch of stuff and you, you sit back and again, you can't reflect on it too much cause you drive yourself crazy. But, but occasionally you sit there and go, Oh yeah, I had, uh, you know, I had copies of legends that I sold for pennies on the dollar, or I probably sold, you know the whatever the de facto first appearance of Harley Quinn was in Batman Adventures and you know New Mutants '98 and all this other stuff that you know at the time I had no idea it was going to be like mega blockbuster movies and all these people would be slabbing them for gazillion dollars or whatever it was. But then sometimes when I was trying to build all these these spinner rack comics, it wasn't like they were key issues to me. They were just nostalgic issues. Like I remember buying this off the spinner rack and one of those was spider ham. And at the time I, it was, it was, it was maybe a couple years before spider verse had come out the film. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then all those characters exploded. And at the time, I think it was funny cause I went to a con. It was like a wizard world show. The show was kind of, poor for selection but i i looked and there was a local comic shop nearby and i took like a uber down to the comic shop because i was you know uh, you know out of town for that convention or whatever and i go down there and i see they have the issues of spider ham that i was looking for i think it was like 12 and 15 but then i was like oh man these are two dollars and 50 cents i've been trying to like keep it to like a dollar to rebuild this stuff. But then I was like, ah, the heck with it. I'll buy it. And then I swear, like, you know, 
a couple years later, you know, after Spider-Verse had come out, I was seeing, you know, slabbed copies of that issue 15 for, you know, a hundred bucks or something, you know? So I was like, I, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, so, so sometimes you could probably, you know, whatever it is, you know, you might be able to land it before somebody speculates on it and tries to do all kinds of craziness with it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of the key is to get in, you know, before the market <laughs> explodes. Uh, you know, I'm finding that on my want list when I look at it, you know, a lot of the books on there are, it's like, Oh, I need this one book to finish the series. And I didn't even realize it was a key book. You know, mm. uh, I'm just, I'm looking at my want list now. I, uh, like one of the things on here, one of the series on here, and I, I just could never understand why that, you know, they never seem to be available. Uh, the the actual series 2001: A Space Odyssey uh, that oh. Kirby did. And uh, is it like a Machine Man or something? Well, that's or? yes, exactly. Uh, the two issues of that I don't have are issues six and eight, and I just, you know, when I was looking on eBay, I said, oh, what does that go for? Uh, I didn't actually see six on there, but I saw eight, and the prices were kind of ridiculous. And then I saw first Machine Man. I, I didn't even realize it that 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 was the you know a key issue. But you know, it is what it is, and 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 I'll, I'll just keep searching for for these books at a you know at what I consider to be a reasonable price. And if I never yeah, find yeah. if I never find them, then it keeps the hobby alive for me to to always be searching. Yeah, no, I mean, part of that is the fun, right? Like you go to a show and you're looking around for something that's on your list or whatever, or I don't know, like sometimes I think I, I, I like to recreate that feeling for myself sometimes. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, Derek's altruistic and he's giving people gifts and he's a nice guy. But I, I think also there's that aspect of like, you like, like hunting or like, I'm like, oh, somebody wants that. Like, and, and it's like. I don't know. Sometimes I get all excited where it's like, oh, well, it's a challenge. Like maybe I can find, you know, the, you know, like, like, you know, to me in the back of my head, I'm like, well, maybe I could find those, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey books somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And, sure. and, and, and hook a brother up. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, I don't know. Sometimes that, that gets me kind of juiced and excited too. Well, I would, I would like never can, want to put you, can... you on the altruistic end of things, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll send you my want list, and if you find stuff for me that are reason yeah. reasonably priced, I will happily reimburse you for any costs yeah. that you lay yeah. out. You know, that's that to me. That's that's always a, a fair deal. You know, yeah. but uh, and and that's you know, like I have Scott and Bill's want lists, or periodically I get copies of them. I don't have current ones. Uh, and you know, when if I'm going to a show, you know, we we kind of look for each other's stuff. But you know, it, it's always always fun. But we could talk about this and then it'll just be another yakking episode for the night. So I'd rather we, we stick with the formula a little bit and we talk because we did both bring books to do today. So I'm going to switch the conversation over and we talked about it beforehand and you're going to go first. So I give you the stage. Yeah. So, uh, and, and again, apologies. I think I'm, I'm stacking the deck here because this is, this is definitely one of my favorite comics and, and I just thought it'd be fun to bring on the show. So I'm, I'm apologizing in advance. Um, so the, the comic title is, uh, the thing and it's issue number four and this is a Marvel comic and the cover date was April 2006 and the on sale date is February 22nd, 2006. The cover price is a whopping $2.99, which I'm pretty sure I paid full price for when it came out. The title is Pause and Fast Forward. 
and that's with you know p a w s pause like the paws of a dog and the writer is Dan Slott. The artist is Andrea DeVito. The letterer is David Lamphier. The colorist is Laura Villari. And the editor is Tom Brevoort. And the synopsis goes something like this. On the fabled blue area of the moon in a city called Adelan, the inhuman known as Karnak tests his mighty blows against a slab of lunar marble when Lockjaw arrives. He howls and runs off when one of the shards of marble becomes embedded with one of his skin folds. Lockjaw first runs to Gorgon for help, but he is busy romancing two inhuman women and bids Lockjaw away. Lockjaw then teleports into the water chamber of Triton, who only views it as a personal disturbance and yells at Lockjaw, and so he runs away. Next, Medusa is shooing away Lockjaw from herself and Black Bolt as the king and queen of the Inhumans are attending to affairs of state. Lockjaw then thinks to teleport outside of the city where he encounters the Watcher on the moon. While the Watcher is, of course, no dummy and knows exactly what Lockjaw's immediate problem is as a Watcher, he is forbidden to interfere and remove the marble shard. Lockjaw then makes the decision to teleport to Earth for help. Wrapping up the previous arc from the last three issues, Ben Grimm, also known as The Thing, Idol of Millions, is saying his goodbyes to Tony Stark, also known as Iron Man, after a harrowing adventure on Arcade's Murderland. While the Thing is flying the abducted, hired help to safety, Johnny Storm, also known as the Human Torch, is on another Fantastic Four shuttle, partying with the rich celebrities. The shuttles land on top of Four Freedoms Plaza in Manhattan, and the passengers begin to disembark. Actress Carlotta La Rosa, who had been seeing Ben Grimm for the last three months of the title, is now getting the brush off after her true colors, she was only interested in Ben for his money, and she was saving her own skin when given the opportunity to by Arcade, were revealed at Arcade's Murderland. As Ben walks into his home, he comes upon an enraged Susan Richards, also known as the Invisible Woman, who hands over her baby girl, Valeria, to Ben's care. Sue is angry with Reed Richards, also known as Mr. Fantastic, because their son Franklin is sick in bed with a tummy ache. Reed isn't surprised at this turn of events, only that they've come to realization so soon. As the husband and wife bicker, Lockjaw teleports into the Four Freedoms Plaza building looking for help. As Johnny bids all the hottie celebrity babes farewell, he celebrates having a new set of phone numbers of girls to party with. But in his elation, he flames on and burns all the newly acquired digits to cinder. When Lockjaw realizes that Reed, Sue, and Johnny will also be of no help, he teleports to Ben as he is changing Valeria's diaper. Ben gives Lockjaw a scratch under his chin and a look over and senses something is amiss with the beast. He quickly finds the marble shard and plucks it from Lockjaw's skin fold. Lockjaw is so overjoyed, he plants a sloppy wet kiss on Ben's cheek, which makes Valeria giggle with glee. 
Reed then stretches over and asks to see Ben for a moment. He asks Ben to sign off on the funding for his latest science project and to take Val and Franklin out of the building while the project is in progress to keep the kids away from the high radiation levels, which the team's cosmic irradiated cells can already handle. Sue is even more infuriated after Reed shoes Ben from the building, but Reed explains that the quote-unquote project was just an elaborate hologram, an, uh, uh, a ruse to get Ben and the kids together and out of the building. Johnny butts in and asks Reed the probability of calling someone by phone if you only have a partial number. As Sue storms off, pun intended, Ben tries taking the kids out for food to amusement parks and toy stores. Franklin seems a bit despondent, and Val starts to cry because all she really cares about is seeing Hossies of the merry-go-round uh, of the merry-go-round variety or otherwise. So Ben takes the kids to a horse race track. Since Ben is now loaded, he gets a private box to watch the races with the kids and franklin begins to question what the point of gambling is when you already have a metric shit ton of money i like franklin he's a smart kid just then armored villain shock jock is also at the track to rip off the bank and smashes through the teller window ben asks lockjaw to teleport the kids someplace safe and calls Lockjaw a good dog as they teleport away. Lockjaw takes the kids back to Adelan, and Franklin comments on how the city looks like a ghost town with no inhumans at all. It turns out the royal family are all out searching for their missing pooch at the Cree spaceport. Meanwhile, back at the Jersey racetrack, the Thing and Shockjaw tear up the parking lot of the racetrack in their battle. Back on the moon, Gorgon did stay behind in the event Lockjaw returned, but Lockjaw quickly teleports away again to help Ben. As Shockjaw strangles and electrocutes Ben, Lockjaw ports behind them and snatches away Shockjaw's power pack within his jaws. Without his power supply, Ben slams Shockjaw to the ground, rendering him immobile. Back on the moon, when Lockjaw and Ben go to pick up the kids, Ben has a heart-to-heart -heart with Franklin about the experiment his dad had him undergo. Reed told Franklin to spend $1,000, but with the caveat that it could only be spent on himself. At first, Franklin thought it was great, buying toys, video games, comics, and candy, but then after eating enough candy to make him sick to his stomach, he began to wish he could have used the money to do some good and help his family. Franklin's words ring true to Ben, and he understands how Reed's quote-unquote experiment was a way to get through to him through Franklin. Also, after some discussion with the Inhuman royal family, Lockjaw decides he wants to stay on Earth with Ben. The next day, Ben is spending time with his family, the Fantastic Four, Valeria, and Franklin, at a picnic in Central Park where he plays Frisbee with a large manhole cover and his new dog, Lockjaw. The end. So that is uh, the thing issue number four. Pause and fast forward. Uh, and I think you told me you you'd never read this before, right? I did not read this particular issue. I had at one point become enamored with this series, uh, and I picked up all the issues, but I never remember actually reading this one. And I no longer have them. I I I, I was enamored and got over it fairly quickly, apparently. Uh, but you know, I I had done a great purge about four years ago where I pretty much eliminated most of my books that are, are post 1990 
yeah. you know, most of my, I mean, I have some, but most of my collection is, you know, 1990 or earlier. Uh, so I, I had completed whatever this was. I don't even remember what this run was about seven issues, something like that. I, I think it was like eight total before it got canceled. Yeah. And I had, I had bought them all. I, there was, uh, there was a store that, you know, like one of the like Labor Day, Memorial Day, you know, one of those sales uh, that, would, you know, they had mostly newer books. But, you know, it was kind of like, a, you know, $50 and you could fill a short box and take it home. Uh, so I had filled up the series at that event. Uh, and I don't remember ever reading this. Now, I've, I've been a fan to an extent of Dan Slott. Uh, I enjoy his books more when they're of the lighthearted vein like this, when he's got a little bit more serious, usually he kind of loses me over time. Uh, but, but books like this, I enjoy, I am not familiar at all with, uh, Andrea DeVito or Davidi. What? DeVito. No, De, yeah, DeVito. It's De, DeVito. Yeah. Uh, although I do like the artwork. It's, it's very clean. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a style that I definitely can appreciate. Um, I assume there's a lot of, digital work done in the particular in this particular artwork honestly uh from the looks of it but you know just the same i, I can definitely appreciate the way it's look the way it looks and uh, the the storytelling is pretty cool everything you know the panel work is is nice i like the you know the varied sizes and different things that 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 are, that are done with it uh you know the overall lesson is kind of cool about the you know you have the money and it's not as much fun to spend it if you can't just do whatever you want if you, it has to be on yourself isn't that wasn't that the uh wasn't there like a a, a show with uh, a movie with richard pryor i think it's called like was it the toy or something like that where where he he it's like they give him a million dollars and he has to spend it all on himself there might have been i i guess i'm not familiar with it though so something like that. I, I can't even remember. I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, some something along those lines. But I guess you know, realistically, uh, you know, when you get older, your tastes get a little bit more expensive. You'd have to give me more than a thousand dollars and say uh, spend it all on yourself. I could go spend a thousand dollars on myself really easy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, there, there is a certain amount, you know, certain point where it'd be like, well, you know, I want to buy for somebody else, or you know, that that would give me more pleasure than buying for myself. So I, I I can kind of appreciate that he works that lesson in here. The whole thing with I I always have gotten a kick out of Ben interacting with Lockjaw, uh, except for that one time it was an issue of Marvel Two and One where they tried to to say that, you know, Lockjaw was an inhuman. That was oh, yeah. that was exposed to the Terrigen mists and that turned that, him that, into that the dog-like creature. That he wasn't a dog. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, with the exception of that story, I've always gotten a kick out of the Lockjaw stories, and I think that story has been retconned out at some point. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that really is anything in continuity anymore. Anyway, I've always questioned Karnak's powers. You know, I don't care how good you are at finding the weak spot in something. You know, this comes a point where, you know, you're not going to be able to shatter it with your bare hand unless you're saying his power actually amplifies the blow somehow as long as he finds the delicate portion. But I don't think they ever said that. Yeah, he just he just knows exactly what the right point is to make it shatter, I guess. Yeah. Gorgon, this is kind of like uh, Hercules. 
Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's 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 romancing the the inhuman babes. I always pictured him as more of a brooder than a uh, partier, but that's okay. I can deal with that. Uh, I kind of like the way the Watcher is drawn, and I think it's it's funny. You know, well, being a Watcher, I can't help you. Um, right, right. Where I I couldn't figure out how to articulate. You know, he just kind of and and teleports away. Where he's like, "Don't give me that bullshit about not interfering." Like nobody, who's gonna see? Like take this thing out of my my uh, face or whatever. Yeah, it's certainly a lot less interference than he normally does. So you know, overall, it, it was a a fun read, is what I I would call it. You know, it's not something that's gonna dramatically affect continuity in any any way shape or form if you eliminate it from the continuity it doesn't change anything it's just a you know it's kind of a one-shot story that's just fun to read and you know that gets lost sometimes in modern comics i think yeah i mean i i guess that ties into because i mean this this i put on uh, i guess back in 2017 i made a list of like my it was like i think i was i turned 40 and i i sort of twisted this it, it was it was supposed to be like a list where i think people were putting you know their favorite movie for every year that they were alive so you know it's like oh 1977 uh, my favorite movie star wars you know or mm-hmm. you know what you know and, and then you go on down the list or whatever so i was like well i'm gonna do that with comics so i made this big list and it's actually I wasn't really, you know, collecting original art at the time, but that list, I go back to it and realize, well, all these books that I put on here obviously meant something to me. And and they all, I'm not going to say all of them were done in one solo stories, but I did kind of skew the list that I made, you know, directly to that. And the the book for 2006 was the thing number four. It was a done in one. I mean, I I kind of was enamored with this book. Like I was sad when I I was like, because I I mean, I feel like for me, you know, it's like I was the guy watching Firefly when it was on the air. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so it was it was the same thing. It was like it was like you sitting there going, oh, man, I'm into this or, or even something where it lasted for a few seasons like Farscape but then got canceled. It was like, oh man, I was, I was into this. Why'd you cancel this, this show I liked? And, and I think with the, the thing book, you know, it was kind of like, oh man, like this was great. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I liked, you know, the, the, I guess what you're calling like the, the, you know, it's light, it's fun. I mean, it, it does, it, it won't necessarily mess up the, the, the Changa building if you pull the piece out, but, the piece fits in the continuity, you know, and it, 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 it's to me, like it was just something where I, I could tell, like, I was like, Oh, you know, and I mean, I guess, you know, if we're going to talk about like the people behind the curtain or whatever, I mean, there, there's things that Dan Slott's written that I don't like. Right. Like, but there's, there's been plenty of runs that I do like, you know, and this was one of them, you know? And, and so I, I was like super happy to read this month after month. I was disappointed one when Andrea DeVito left the book. Cause I think at this point they were like pulling him in to do like a lot of the annihilation type event stuff. Cause and that some was of that like stuff the was big, awesome though. 
Yeah, yeah. And and that was like the new hotness or whatever. And they, they moved him over to that, which I, I liked that event myself. So I'm not, you know, decrying that. But, you know, I, I was like super happy with the art in this. And I guess I can speak to uh, what you said before about that. You could tell there's some digital work in this. And, and what it is, is this book, you'll notice Andrea DeVito's credited as the artist, right? And what that means basically is he drew really detailed, uh, extremely detailed pencils. And uh, I guess the most obvious example I can think of in the past that I think most people know is when Salvador La Roca did Extreme X-Men. Like that was one of the first books I remember people talking about where they're like, oh, you know, nobody, nobody inked, inked him. It's just, you know, his pencils. And then they, you know, they colored on top of the pencils and this is also a case of that where they they are just coloring over detailed pencils so that's part of that and then i guess i i sort of shared with you that i was going to get back to the original art and because this is like my favorite comic book of 2006 um this was one of those things where it it raised the bar for me in terms of what i would spend on something but also I just couldn't pass it up, which was uh, the cover to the thing number four. And I guess if you can see the link I dropped in there, you can see it is pure pencils. Right. right yes. And so that's, nice. you know, and, and of course, all of that is, you know, like sometimes, you know, the, the, you know, depending on what you're buying, like obviously, like, you know, a lot of the traditional art, you know, is, is penciled and then they send it to somebody and ink it and it goes on like that. And then in the digital age, it gets weird. Right. Like sometimes there's just pencils. Sometimes there's digital pencils, but there's a physical inked copy that was inked on blue lines and all this other kind of crazy stuff. But in this case, I was like, oh, great. Like, this is the only copy of this cover there is, you know, and and the pencils were so detailed. I was like, oh, this is great. And so that was like, I think, my first cover that I had ever bought, too. So really I was nice. like... I, I was super happy because I was like, I don't have a cover. And I was like, oh, boy, like and 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 it, it seemed to fit just because, you know, I, I, I go back to that list sometimes and go, oh, well, what's on that list? Like like and, and can I is it is it remotely possible I can get anything from that list? And like you're saying, like uh, a lot of the times, you know, when it when it goes back far enough, you're like, oh, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm getting any pages from X-Men 137. Right. Like, but yeah, I'm pretty but confident there are, in that. <laughs> you, you know, but there but there's there's there are things on that list that I did manage to get pages from. So I, I, I get excited. So, you know, and so anyway, and for what it's but, worth, um, just I'm going to say, uh, you know, you shared your your list, which is actually kind of cool because it's not a list. It's pictures of each cover uh, and, as well as a, a picture of the uh, original art for this cover. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do do the listeners a favor and post those on the Facebook page when this episode airs. Yeah. Yeah. I'll totally do that. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I think people will get a kick out of both. And, and I'm hoping that your, uh, your cover, your, your favorite issue list might inspire other people to do the same. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I, I think I tried to push for that back in 2017 and everybody went, yeah, this is really cool. And then they went, yeah, but it's a lot of work, and I'm not gonna do it. So, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not offended. Like, I, I just, it, again, it was just one of those confluence of events. It'll take where, some thought, know, and I am older than you, so I have more years yeah, to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and of course, I, I don't have anything after 2017 because uh, probably after 2019, I got bitter and grumpy. So it's not worth it to make a list. But, you know, who knows? And consider, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, like I said, my, my collection is primarily uh, up to about 1990. So maybe I'll do from when I was born to 1990 to my favorite issue from each year. Yeah, Even that'll take yeah. some work. But, you know, that, yeah. that's, that's a labor of love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I, I really enjoy this issue and, and, and figured I'd, you know, bring something that I just, you know, for me personally, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of stacking the deck. I, I, I and I don't want that to affect your uh, grading or whatever. I think you should grade it how you see fit. But, you know, uh, I guess uh, cutting to the chase, like, I guess for me, like I bought the cover. So the cover's an A plus. Um, the 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 story and the 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 interior art i'll i'll just do kind of an a but that kind of makes it an a plus so that that's kind of my grade but that's just because i'm sort of enamored with this and and of most of the books that came out in 2006 this is the one that was the standout in terms of being kind of a you know a solo done in one and just you know i i love franklin like uh franklin's like one of my favorite characters so that that's part of the reason why and i i, I don't know if i went into any detail about that but i just you know i don't know that that character to me just has a special place in my heart you know as far as fantastic four characters and i i don't think you can get away from i mean the thing is is also a great character in this series i thought you know i mean if, if people haven't read this like i i would recommend it i mean it's and, and it's not like it's a huge time investment right it is only eight issues right so it's not like it's not like, you know, somebody's asking you to read like, you know, I don't know, 500 chapters of manga or something because mm. it's really good. It's like it's 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 eight issues. It's 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 a it's a good read. And like you said, it's kind of light and fun. But, you know, it doesn't uh, you know, it's not it's not too uh, dour or anything like that. So, you know, that that's kind of my selling points on the, the series in general. All right. Well, I'm going to. I don't think I'm going to disappoint you too much. I'm going to say an A on the cover and the interior art. Uh, it, it, like I said, it, it's a style that I can really get behind. I think it's nice and clean. Uh, the storytelling is really good. The you know the images of the characters are, are all kind of cool. Just just the layouts in general, I'm really enjoying. So I'm going to say an A on the art. Uh, and an A on the cover as well. I don't think it has quite that iconic nature that that I need to go to an A plus, but it's really, really cool. Uh, well drawn. Uh, and, and I, you know, I get a kick out of it. So it's, it's, it gives you kind of what's in the story, but it's also a nice poster image at the same time. So that's a combination you don't always get. So I kind of like that about it. The story itself is a one and done silly, uh, you know, again, not, not, nothing earth shattering, but it's well done for what it is. And I enjoyed reading it at this age, but I also try to sometimes think about, you know, when I was younger, if I was 12 years old and I picked this up, I probably would have read it like 10 times. Because uh, I think I would have got a big kick out of, out of a story like this. So I'm going to say a B plus on the story. I'm not quite ready to give it an A because it's just not you know, not strong enough, but no, 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 that that's fair. But I, I think totally a B fair. plus is is a is a really solid grade, and it's it's Dan Slott doing what 
what I think is his his strength when he writes. Uh, you know, like I said, I think when he when he gets serious, it's more hit and miss. I think his his more lighthearted stuff is is definitely his strength, in my opinion. So, you know, overall, really solid book, though. I'm going to say, you know, A minus overall. Uh, and, you know, for for what it is, I think that's that's a really big accomplishment. Cool. Then I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, you liked it and that uh, we could talk about it. I am, too. I'm glad you brought it. So I was having a tough time figuring out what to bring. I, I don't know. I was kind of just drawing a blank. Uh, and I grabbed uh, Cyborg number one, which is actually, it's listed as DC Special uh, from July of uh, 2008. Uh, and it is, I just get to, uh, it's written by Mark Sable, penciled by Ken Lashley, inked by Jonathan Glapion. Uh, color by Joe Smith, and cover is Lashley and Smith. Letters by Steve Wands, assistant editor Adam Schlagman, and edited by Eddie Braganza. So of, of all those names, Braganza is the only one I actually knew before I read this book. But you know, all all deserve some uh, some some praise for this book because i think this is this ended up being a pretty solid one as well the cover it shows you know cyborg kind of emerging from a uh flamed area uh where it looks like there's been an explosion uh there's also what looks to be some sort of creature on the ground by him uh and it's again you know not not unlike your your issue i do think there's some uh some computer you know I'm not so sure that the computer on either one is the actual pencils. I think the coloring is really computerized on it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that makes I mean, the I, difference. I, I think that's true of both. Yeah. Cause this is, I mean, I, I don't know. The rule of thumb probably is like, I, I don't know. I want to say like anything from 1998 and on has the potential to have, you know, I don't know, some, you know, I don't know blue line or you know you know what i mean yeah. like there there could be some digital kind of work at hand and sometimes that's to the I, benefit and it makes things look really cool and sometimes it makes it look almost a little too slick so it's it's a fine line of whether i like it or not uh more often than not i would say i do like it but every once in a while i, I would rather see something that was a little more gritty some, sometimes i don't think you realize like at the time because i think i think sometimes at the time you're just kind of taking it as the newfangled tool, but like sometimes like, I don't know, like lens flares, you know, like sometimes they get overused, right? Like, and, and you're just like, oh, wait, maybe you should tone that back a little bit, you know, yeah. not, not, not go so crazy with all that, that, uh, you know, technological advancement or whatever, you know? It goes to the old Jeff Goldblum from uh, Jurassic Park. Just because you can do it, you need to ask yourself if you should do it. Right, uh, right. So, I mean, this is essentially the first issue of Cyborg kind of looking back on his origin is really what it comes down to. The story opens up with him getting ready for a wedding and uh, he's saying he's in love with the bride and that the groom is his best friend and he's the best man. Uh, and from there, we go back to the flashback of him as a, as a young boy uh, with his father and his father's obviously a scientist and the military is looking for him to... Uh, to, to, to weaponize them 
and he says no, and then the mil the military guy says sometimes there's a price to saying no, uh, which ultimately we're going to get to, I guess. Uh, it, you know, he he uh, cyborg as a young man makes friends with uh, a guy named Ron Evers. His father sees Ron as being a uh, bad influence on him, uh, but he doesn't get along with his father. He becomes a star. Uh, it looks like track, basketball, boxing, and some sport where you just have to take off your shirt. Um, <laughs> so he's, you know, he's he's a kind of a star athlete in school, but then his friend is trying to influence him to become part of the gang that he's in. Uh, things erupt into violence, and he ends up helping his friend, but you know, there's a price to that as well. Uh, Eventually, there is an explosion at his father's lab, which kills his mother and takes him to what he says is a fate worse than death. His father basically $6 million mans him because uh, we have a shot of him here laying on a table and he's got no legs, no arms, and his body is burnt. Uh, so his, his father recreates him with the cyborg uh, body and he's like kind of freaked out over it. He's He's got anger against his father and ends up like, talking to his friend uh who, who's trying to enlist him to help him to to get the uh equipment from there to make other people like him he he comes to the lab and stops them uh and then we we just kind of go for some quick flashes to things his friend gets badly burned in, in the battle then they show him with the teen titans then they show him becoming friends with some other uh, handicapped people who are playing basketball. He ends up having surgery to make his body look more normal, but that doesn't last, and he eventually goes back to what he was. Uh, then we're at the wedding, and there's uh, an explosion at the wedding, and it says to be continued. Now, overall, I thought the artwork in this was pretty cool. For the most part, I thought the retelling of the story was cool, but when we get to the point where uh, they do the flashback where they show him with the Teen Titans. From that point forward, it's just kind of like the story jumps too much, and it's like, well, what's causing that to happen? What's causing this to happen? And they don't really give you good explanations, as far as I can tell. So I think the story lacks as far as that goes. But overall, I'm thinking that this is, you know, part one of uh, of, of five. So I'm thinking if we had the four, you know, I did not read the four together. I just read this one. It might be more cohesive and it might explain some more things as to stuff that went on in the background, or it might not. Uh, I I read this when it came out. Uh, I will admit I, I found it kind of forgettable, um, except for the fact that, and I think I can attest to this because it's probably on one of my old podcasts where we talked about the inspiration for this, which is Tales of the Teen Titans, number one. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like this, the, 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 at least the, the majority of the story beats you described in detail, you can find parallels to, you know, the Tales of the Teen Titans, number one. I think, I don't know, I, I feel like I, this is that era of comics where, uh, you know, I, I always feel like I have to be careful and walk on eggshells sometimes, but, I mean, I guess what I'd say is that the original story was written in the early 80s, and so the flashbacks 
had a very 70s tone to them. And those stories, uh, I, I guess I'll just say, I thought Tales of the Teen Titans 1 is a better comic than DC Special Cyborg number one. And I think part of the problem you have with the the, the beats after they kind of, you know, they, they set up, okay, he's he's now part of his backstory is, oh, he's now joined the Titans. And I think Raven is, is even saying the same, you know, line, like, you know, come with others like us or, you know, whatever that line is. And it's like, that's verbatim what Marv Wolfman wrote in Tales of the Teen Titans 1. But then after that, I think they try to give you like a crash course because the woman that's getting married is Sarah Chambers and he had this big fling with her. And it's like, this is, this is not, you know, this is not the new 52 yet. They're not jettisoning, jettisoning everything like, but they all, they they are trying to like cram a shit ton of history into the last five pages where it's like, he's cyborg. He joined the Titans. And then he wasn't cyborg because he had the, the weird, you know, organic, body and then that's when he fell in love with Sarah and then then uh the fatal five showed up and they screwed over his his uh you know I guess plastic surgery or whatever you're calling it you know this this other metal that looks more organic or whatever and they had to go back to being cyborg and like I, I mean I could point you to like I, I think it's like Tales of the Teen Titans 59 or 49 or so I, I forget what, but there's there, you know, it, it, it like plucks out of all these random storylines and you just get maybe a panel of them at most. So you could either sit there and praise maybe for, for trying to, you know, give somebody the cliff notes of what they need to know then to move forward in their, you know, trade paperback, you know, condensed or what is it? Decondensed storytelling or whatever, you know, but then I guess I I see what you're saying too. Like if, if you're not familiar with any of it, 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 it's like they were writing a really good book report on cyborg and then they got lazy at the end. We're just like, (laughs) yeah. And all this other shit happened too. Like, and there's a big explosion now, now, now follow our story, you know? And, and, and I think the thing I remember most about this miniseries is, uh, Ron Evers in the original story died in Tales of the Teen Titans number one. And in this, it turns out, no, he's not dead and he's an evil cyborg. And I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. There's like three evil cyborgs in this miniseries. And it's just kind of like, you know, spare me. Like, you know, one wasn't enough. Like, they have to have a bunch of them. And um, so, like, I guess for me, like some of that was kind of forgettable. And then and then I think the the stuff I was trying to tiptoe around was like in the original story, I think the the stuff they leave out is one. They seem to leave out like why. I I don't know. They, They seem to pin the arguments him and his father had all on Ron Evers like that, that, that that was the only I don't know antagonistic aspect of their relationship but i feel like there was a lot more to it and because of that you know victor stone had a lot more of a connection with his mother and then when the mother died then the son and father dynamic became even more fractured because there was you know resentment on his behalf because he's like you should have let me die and all this other stuff so i feel like even though it was a good book report it's like it sort of it sort of missed like key aspects of 
you know, where things fell apart. And then they also try to infuse, instead of a 70s sensibility, they try to infuse this, you know, I don't know, new millennium sensibility into it, where, you know, instead of them being like, you know, 70s gang members with afros, they're, you know, they look like they're straight out of uh, the prison drama Oz, where you had, you know, the, the, the Muslim guys and the neo-Nazi guys, and they're both getting into gang fights. And it's it's very, like, hit you over the head kind of like obvious you know you know what they're angling for and and instead of it being something where victor stone rejects what ron evers is trying to do which i think in the original is like he's trying to you know uh i I don't know i think they were trying to like deface the statue of liberty and then they were trying to break into the united nations and blow it up or something like that and and so that's what it was but i think in this case it's like they're all uh, attacking what star labs or something like that. And, you know, so I, I guess what I was trying to illustrate was I think in the original story, he, he makes it a point where he says, I don't know, this is, this is the delicate part, but he, he basically, maybe it's easier if I just read what cyborg says and then nobody could put words in my mouth. But in the original story, he tells Ron, he, he says, you're letting your own hate consume you. And Ron says, easy for you to say, man, you got a scholarship for college, your old man arranged, you got it all. And he says, just stop right there, Ron. Nobody gave me that scholarship. I worked damn hard for that. My dad fought me with all the sports stuff. He wouldn't give me a penny unless I majored in science. But I proved myself, I worked, and I got what I wanted. Anyone can do that, Ron. And the color of your skin doesn't matter one damn bit. And that's when he leaves the friendship of Ron in the original story. And I feel like in the, you know, the quote unquote modern story, that's not a lesson anybody wants to hear. So it kind of ends with, I think, I'm trying to find that one passage, but just to illustrate the difference, he eventually says, oh, here it is. Basically, at this point, it's like he lost his father because he got into that gang fight. And then he says, uh, while I lost a father, Ron found religion, a twisted perversion of centuries old tradition of peace. Violence was now part of their creed. And when Ron got out, he wanted to act on it. We need your help, brother. We've got multiple targets, but you can help us with this one in particular star labs, your own father. Do you know what his work is going to be used for killing more Brown people? And then he goes to visit his father and then the explosion happens. So to me, I I think that's, you know, without, you know, talking about it too much, I I think that's a drastic distinction between, I guess, the the I don't know, the life lessons that this character learns or whatever. Like like it, it definitely puts a different slant on things. And so, you know, you 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 kind of have that also in the background with with the rest of this where it kind of moves on and you, i don't know you kind of wonder about you know because because they they try to paint star labs as maybe not you know or at least the people that work at star labs maybe not all of them are on the up and up you know there's there's kind of a distrust of authority and all that kind of stuff going down the line so that's that's an aspect of this um i am familiar with ken lashley like i i, I knew ken lashley's work before uh, this miniseries and this first issue. It, interestingly enough, I think he only did the first two issues. I kind of feel like 
like in some ways it reminds me of like when Rob Liefeld would start a book, everybody would get excited and then he'd kind of bail after a few issues or something mm-hmm. like that. And 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 I, I I'm not saying that always happens because what I remember is his early work was in like the back half of Excalibur, like when Pete Wisdom and Kitty Pride were a thing, and it was like from the 80s moving into the hundreds. So that way way back half of Excalibur, and then. The other book I remember was when they tried to make Bart Allen the Flash, like when that was a thing. Right, I think right. at that point, you know, it's like they had, you know, uh, tried to kill off Wally or whatever they did. And then they're like, OK, well, instead of him being Impulse, now he's going to be the Flash. And that book only ran for maybe a little over a year. Like it didn't have much of a chance to find its legs. And then it kind of got shit canned. But I mean, I remember the art from it. You know what I mean? Like and and so that's something where I, you know, I mean, I like the art. I, I think it's, it's, it's dynamic. It's, it's um, engaging to me. Um, I, I remember being excited because I think they said, oh, he's going to, he's going to be the regular artist on Spawn. And I was like, really? I was like, that sounds cool. And I think like maybe he was on it for a few issues and then he, you know, moved on to another project or whatever. So, you know, I guess that's to illustrate the same thing I was talking about before. So I, I don't know that there's that much consistency to follow with some of the more modern projects. But I mean, you know, even with this at that point, it wasn't I think somebody new took over by issue three. So if that's kind of a like I can understand that, too, if that's like a sticking point, right, where you're you're getting into like an art style, you know, in a in a collected book and then all of a sudden it changes up on you a little bit like i could see why that would be a you know kind of like a no-go or whatever but i mean i don't know i mean i i I don't think it's a bad book but um i i i'm i was never i don't know this this wasn't anything that like wowed me or whatever like i said i i kind of thought it was semi-forgettable because it was kind of like a greatest hits with you know bizarro versions of cyborg and that that was basically what I remembered. Like, I feel like if anybody learned any lessons from this or they even if they plucked anything from this, it was like um, I don't know how much you read of that new 52 Jeff Johns Justice League run and forever evil and all that stuff. I started like, to read it, but I lost interest pretty quickly. Yeah. And like one of the characters they had was called Grid and Grid was supposed to be like the crime syndicate version of Cyborg, where basically he was, you know, he was the bad guy version of Cyborg, like with um, Ultraman and Owlman and all those guys. And and they had to make a counterpart for Cyborg because now Cyborg was a Justice League guy and his counterpart was this guy named Grid. And I feel like all the characters in this, like Ron Evers becomes a cyborg. There's some like anti cyborg guy. And there's one that was like cyborg girl or something. And I was like, Oh, it's like, they're all like rough drafts of what they eventually would turn into that guy grid. And I mean, that's the only other thing in terms of like some kind of legacy like that I can think of, but that's, that's basically what I got on this. I, Definitely agree with what you're saying about the original Tales of the Teen Titans, which I did read when it came out, and I do think that was better. Uh, this and and boy, did you bring back memories of being in school with the yeah, you know, you're really working on that 
report and then you get to the end and you're just tired and get lazy and the last few pages <laughs> it's just like yeah yeah and 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 then, and then the world came to an end uh but you know so it, it definitely has that feel to it i thought that was an excellent description of it as far as the artwork goes i found myself comparing this to the to the uh, thing book uh okay. for you know obvious reasons since i was reading both of them for today well, they're, they're almost kind of contemporary. Like, I almost wondered, like, I, I mean, I, it doesn't sound like you did this, but when, when you sent me the book, I was like, oh, it's like, you know, normally they, they you know, Marvel Indie DC is kind of like your guys' routine sometimes. So I'm like, oh, I get it. I picked the Marvel, so he picked the DC. And then I was like, well, yeah, but I picked the thing. And the thing's kind of, you know, in some issues, obviously, he's horribly tortured about his body type, you know, there's there's an aspect of body horror to being the thing. And I was like, well, there's an aspect of body horror to being cyborg. And he's also tortured because of his appearance. Yeah, so I was I'd like, love to take oh, credit for being are. that thoughtful. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were being like complimentary, like where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring the DC version of that. You yeah, know, that's that, that's you giving me far too much credit. <laughs> but uh, look at looking at the artwork. I don't see the consistency in this book that I saw in in the things book. Uh, mm. I see some panels where it looks really, really good, some pages where it looks really, really good. And then I see some where I'm thinking, yeah, it seems like almost like the story, you know, like he got a little lazy on this one. He didn't really want to put the detail into this one or, or you know, wasn't as consistent with the way the prior artwork was. Um, it's not bad. I just don't think it's at the level uh, that we saw in the previous book, uh, there's, you know, shots where the face, the faces aren't always consistent from panel to panel, uh, of the same characters. Uh, and, and sometimes it almost looks like the style is different. I'm looking at right now at the page, uh, on the scan, it is page number 14. Uh, and, and there's, three different shots of Cyborg's face there, and they almost look like they're drawn in three different art styles to me. Mm. I mean, I I think, uh, like, that's, I mean, and, and this is, you can take it as a compliment, or you can take it the opposite way, but I mean, I, I think that's part of why I sort of described it as, for me, you know, in terms of, the way he bounces from project to project. Like I, I did think of Rob Liefeld and like, there's, there's an aspect of excitement and uh, dynamism and, and kind of like where you're like, Oh, that looks cool. You know, like this cover kind of looks neat. And even though you're making fun of it, like the, the sport where, you know, uh, Vic Stone has to disrobe, like whatever, you know, maybe he's, he's a swimmer. We don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm not sure which but, sport he's um, going for there. Yeah. 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 But 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 that image, like I mean, is is cool looking. But I can also see your point at the same time. Like like the the boxer Vic Stone does not look like the track Vic Stone, and the track Vic Stone kind of looks like the guy disrobing, and then the basketball player kind of looks like an amalgamation between the boxer and the track racer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but but you get the idea. You know, it's like, oh, this is his life story, and yes, we don't all look exactly the same as we're growing up so maybe he's trying to illustrate like these are at different points in his life where he tried different sports or whatever as he was growing up and eventually settled on you know i guess in this case basketball whereas you know even in the new 52 it was like he's some kind of football star or whatever so you know it seems like they're constantly changing 
you know, whatever, whatever sport he was into and stuff like that. But I guess all, all I'm saying is like some of it, the, the imagery looks cool, but I also see what you're saying about the, the faces and the, the, the character designs. They're not necessarily super consistent. Like I, I think the, the cool or the wow factor is what takes the priority than, than something that's, um, I don't know, uh, consistent, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you're doing a story, which is effectively, a you know, a, a retelling of the origin or greatest hits, I start, I start to lean a little bit more on the artwork because if you're telling me a story, I already know you're already, I don't want to say you're cheating me, but you're, you're, you know, you're not giving me something original there. So well, give me a little I, something I special in the artwork to, to kind of level that off a yeah. little bit. I think that's fair. You, you're like, what, what are you bringing to it that's new, right? Yeah. And if, if what you're, what you're leaning heavy on is the art and you don't necessarily see anything new brought to the table, then, then I can understand why that's, you know, a, a disappointment, right? Like you, if you get to that, I don't know, that Titans Tower splash page, right? Like you're competing with George. <laughs> Perez, right? Like so so it's like what are you going to do that he he hasn't done, right? Like or you know m- you know maybe that there are great artists of the era that that could elicit the same type of enthusiasm, but may- maybe it is Ken Lashley, but maybe it's not. I mean, I think it's a nice pinup, but again, I I do see what you're saying, like it's it, it, if you if you're looking at a greatest hits, you're like, oh, well, this doesn't, you know, it, it, it evokes that era, but it also probably isn't as good as that it's, it's era. Almost, it's almost know? like back in the days when uh, they'd come out with like, I, I, this probably is before your time, but they'd come out with like a KTEL album, uh, which would be substandard artists doing covers of hits of the day Mm. (laughs) so so it would be a way of getting you know 10 songs on the album that were all hits that you like which you couldn't just buy that with the originals but they weren't the originals and they weren't as good as the originals it's Uh, like it's like here here are 10 hit songs but they're kind of composed with muzak yeah and 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 the advantage is you're you're like this you're you're getting you don't have to read like you know I don't know five years worth of Teen Titans to get all this story you're you're getting it in one issue but then it's kind of not the the, the talent isn't all the same level or what have you right yeah, yeah. exactly and again it's not terrible it's not uh, it's not a no. not a bad read it's just you know. It's a little disappointing to me. That's that's what I'd come down to. So from along that vein, uh, I'm gonna say the cover is kind of dynamic. It's pretty cool looking. I don't know that the image is exactly what I would want, um, but it's you know it's 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 pretty eye catching. Excuse me, it's pretty eye catching. So I would say. You know, a B minus on the cover. It's it's above average, but it's not really good. You know, not not at that really top level. The artwork inside, I'm thinking, is similar. I'm gonna say, you know, kind of that borderline between C plus and and B minus, which again is above average, but it's not, you know, not excelling. 
And the story, I'm going to take points off the story for exactly what, you know, what I was trying to say, and you articulated so much better than me uh, with your uh, comparison to a, a book report. Uh, it, it is kind of a, a letdown a little bit. I'm going to say it, do, it doesn't have the level of creativity that I would hope you'd get even in a retelling. So I'm going to just say a C. I'm going to say the, the retelling is average and it, it just could be more uh, more well laid out and more well explained. So And, and, it, and it does seem, as you also pointed out, that it, it, it's playing on some of the stereotypes of the day, which I would rather have seen them not do quite so much of. Uh, so I'm going to say a C on the uh, story. And overall, I'll give the book a B-. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to come to the same place, but just a little a little different. Like, I, I think overall it probably ends up being a B minus just by the law of averages. But like, I, I, I think I'd probably go like a C on story and, and maybe a C plus on the cover and and uh, a, um, a B on the interior art because I mean I, I like the art but I I, I kind of see what you're saying too like depending on what you're looking at right like it's like okay it's cyborg he's on the cover like but then it goes back to that whole thing that that us guys like to say where you're like well but what exactly is is the cover telling you a story like not really right and 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 you feel like that some of that seems to be absent from from this so that. You know that that's kind of my you know it, it's a it's a nice image it's a good you know poster image it, it's it's a great cyborg but is it memorable like is that is that something that's going to stand the test of time where you go back to like the hall of great covers of 2008 no it's it's not you know what I mean mm -hmm. so that's I think where that comes up a little short um, and like I said, I, I do enjoy the art. I mean, I, I think the interior art is, is pretty good. I, I appreciate the criticisms, and they, they all stand out to me. I, I, I guess I'm never too extremely harsh on art, you know? Like, I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm not going to be like, you know, when, when, I, when I made that one comment, I thought it was funny because when you guys were talking about one of those Justice League issues, I was like, dude, I have F art. I own it. Like, <laughs> I own the F art. But, um. But but like like so I'm not I'm not like super harsh in that vein. But but for me, like, you know, I think the art is probably the aspect of this that I enjoyed the most. And then I think the story, like, you know, because of the book report thing and I think because of the I don't know, the the, the fluctuating moral lesson or whatever, like, I, I feel like those things are, are, you know, make it a little off to me and, and and not as good as the original story. And it's like if you can't bring something new to it or make it better. Like, uh, you know, I am in that old fogey stage and I was there a long time ago where I was like trying to swear off watching remakes of classic movies back in like 2002, 2003. Right. So like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to be like, Oh yeah, th this is, you know, so much more better in advanced with its computer coloring and, and, and what, and modern art, you know, like that guy, like, that's not, you know, for me, it's like, I, I don't think this holds a candle to tales of the teen Titans number one. So that, that, that's also where it sort of comes up short. So I think, yeah, I think overall we get to the same place. I'd say like a B minus on this. All right, cool. Um, I guess that's going to do it, but before we call a close to things, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you when you're not on here? Cause you're not on here that often. 
if people want to listen to uh, podcasty stuff like this, uh, I'm over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We've got shows like on comics, and then we've got shows on a whole bunch of other things. So if you like podcasts and that kind of goodness, you can find me there. And if you like uh, films and comic books, um, I haven't made a new one in a while. I'm, I'm kind of still in the middle of working on one kind of, they become long-term projects that take me years to complete. But um, if you want, you can go to YouTube or you can go to hocof.blogspot.com because YouTube sometimes takes down some of those videos. But I've got History of Comics on Film. That's what H-O-C-O-F is short for. Um, and there are uh, about 70 or so videos where it's the chronological coverage of uh, comic books, television cartoons, what have you, on film, and I, I'm, I'm trying to do them in order. So um, hopefully, I don't know, I, uh, I, I don't think it's a big secret, but the, the one I'm working on is the um, syndicated Spider-Man 1981 animated show right now. So maybe sometime this year, maybe, I'll, I'll have a new video. Cool. All right, so I just want to, before we sign off, just say thanks for coming on me. This was a blast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.